0: Hello and welcome to the Filipina on the Rise podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Fabella, and today I'm so excited to post an oldie episode, but it's one of my most favorites, one of the most popular ones, and I think a really, really important topic, and this is about decolonizing our financial mindsets and learning how to step into our money power and becoming financially literate. I just think it is so important when we talk about stepping into our power as Filipinas and decolonizing and changing things generationally that we are talking about money, and wealth, and what we have to uproot financially that's been passed down to us from going to, from scarcity to abundance. Um, In this intro, I will also be giving updates on all the amazing things happening this year for Philippine on the Rise, so hold on tight. There is just so much that is about to be unleashed. I'm so excited to share that with you. As you can tell, I've been a little bit more on the quiet, on the pause side, and it's because I've recently moved into a new city here in Austin. In the next episode, I'll share updates on that and why and what I've been working on. And so stick on till the end of this intro about all the updates, all the events, all the new products and things happening with Philippine on the Rise. But more on this episode, if you've been thinking about financial freedom, building wealth, upping your financial literacy, and being more in the money game, if you've been thinking about investing, listen to this. It is, I feel so common from Filipino immigrant backgrounds, person of color backgrounds that, you know, financial literacy was not a dinner table conversation. Uh, we were just kind of taught to strap up and save. And we weren't really talking about things like budgeting rules or investing and, and where money goes and the money game in our country? And does this matter to us? Is it all about money, money, money? So what I love about Berna is that she's so dedicated to diversifying the financial space and giving a voice to people that look like us and to discuss our financial situations so that we become more empowered and are able to uplift not just ourselves, but our communities, our generations. And we know that this is imperative to uplift our communities and have you know, economic mobility. So she's very direct that money is power. And when we're kept illiterate about how money works, about personal finance and being in the public money game, we're not, if we're not in that, we are limited in having a stake in decision making in power. And it ties into the model minority myth. America always says that we're a meritocracy, you know, work hard, play hard, keep your head down, save up, move up economically. But that is to a point and that is a myth because we see it's not all about that and it's not all about saving and we need to know how to play. And so this is important because not like money isn't everything, but money is energy. It's a tool. It's not positive or negative, but in talking about economic and racial progress, I believe we have to talk about money and how it moves and how to use it as a tool so it's serving us and uplifting us and it's not just running us and we're not running after it. Anyways, um, in our journey as stepping into our power as Filipinas and shifting things generationally into abundance and freedom, we are finally, I feel like getting real about wanting financial freedom and financial literacy. So I see a lot of people talking about um, this and building wealth and shifting things for their families. And a lot of us are finally stepping into financial independence and we have a different income and um, economic privilege than ever before than a lot of generations before. So what does that mean? Um, in order to do this, in order to really step into a power and into a different generational wealth, we have to get real about our financial mindsets and our relation to money. For me, it was like very much hold on to it and save and like be really scared to spend it. But I would spend it and be like, you know, I I own this, but then, um, like feeling guilty. And so there is that finance, thats scarcity mindset um, that I can tell as I'm in this season of like really building up my life. I'm in a season where I'm able to spend and I'm building assets and I'm in a city where I'm building my home and my business. And sometimes I feel guilty of spending, like something bad will happen when I accumulate wealth. And all my finances will go away. So I had to hold onto it tightly. And Berna talks about this. It's this frugal flex mentality that a lot of our parents had, where we are frugal, we frugal, and then we flex. And then we're like, oh no, we don't have enough. And you know, um, yeah. And so this indulging and then the saving and then this spending gives me a hangover. And so I see how that's rooted in hearing things like that's too expensive, or we're too broke, and then we go on these vacations, and I see our aunties spending on designer handbags and you know, we're telling ourselves that we don't have enough, but then we, we get frugal and we flex. (laughs) So I've started investing. I've taught myself how to budget. I've really had to do that in order for me to um, live in different cities and building my income and building a business. And I'm in a place where I'm feeling more capable, but I want the mindset of being financially empowered, not scared of money. So as you listen to this, ask yourself, what is your financial mindset? What is your relation to money? Do you feel fluid or or nervous about it sometimes? What do you want to feel like with your money? What is your strategy? Do you want to build wealth? And what does it take? What is your financial mindset? So – so – before we jump in, I want to give a few updates because I, like I said, we're in a season of pause because we have been gathering more guests and we just want to take Filipino on the right to the next level. And also, I just moved to Austin. I'll share in the next episode why, but I'm in a place where I want to just thrive as a producer, as a creator, um, as a business owner. There's a, a community of podcasters here, of creatives, of techies. So I'm excited to uh, grow as a leader, as a producer for y'all and this new home. And so updates, the Filipina Soul Sisterhood is still going. And this community, y'all, it is so magical. We meet every Thursday and I am just so taken aback by the transformative conversations, the breakthroughs, um, how we are not just decolonizing, but really stepping into our power as Filipina women, as sisters. So if you want to reconnect more with your Filipino heritage with other like-minded pinais. if you wanna have soul-filling discussions and be mentored by Filipina industry experts who are at the top of their fields, who wanna teach you, who wanna hold space for you. They are having workshops each month, getting to a specific theme. We just wrapped up this month, we are wrapping up this month on Unprogramming Perfectionism as pinays. Uh Last month was about uncovering our origin family history stories. And you know, everything as related to decolonizing our minds, to mental health, to professional development, to just being empowered as a Filipina in the modern world. This is the community to do it. So please join. The link is in the show notes. Um, I would love to see you there. Hang out with me and other Pinais every week. Number two, we have a subscription box. We just launched with Kai Essentials. So if you've been trying to look for more Filipina creators, products, and um, find out more brands, what if it's delivered straight to you? We are hand curating them every season, selection of everything from beauty products to home goods to wellness and lifestyle products. We just launched our Mahal Kita box for the season, and we'll be gearing up for our spring box soon. Lastly, I'm so excited to tell you that 2022 is going to be a calendar of Pinay pop-up events. So I'm really big on building community, not just digitally, but in real life. I I see that this is so important that we are gathering safely and we are meeting each other in real life. And just, there's a different energy that comes in the room when you gather Panay's. Last December, we had our Filipino holiday brunch. It was magical. We had a Filipino chef come in and next week we are having our Seattle Uh, Pinay pop-up event with Silviana Events. We are also having a Pinay chef curating an amazing menu. It's like this Galentine's event, but it's called Mahalentine's. We're gonna have a delicious Filipino menu and just some sisterhood and bonding. And so that's what the rest of this year is going to look like. Be on the lookout for those events. If you subscribe to the Philippine on the Rise newsletter, you will get that straight to your inbox. All these links will be in the show notes. I just wanted to mention all this because I know that we've been a little quiet, but it's because big things are happening with Philippine on the Rise. And I want to meet you. I want to see you. I want you to be part of this community. I just want you to be filled as a pinai and just to help you step into your power and grow and connect with your culture this year because – Sis, you deserve it. You are awesome. You are badass, and you are a Philippine on the rise. Without further ado,
1: here is the episode. A lot of our families spend and spend and spend. To show that their sacrifice leaving the Philippines is worth it, and to show other Filipinos, I'm doing great. Yeah. About you.
0: as if that supersedes what's happening on the back end. Exactly. Because exactly. It's like you just gotta show you've made
1: it. You just gotta show you've made it. The only way we can take the attention of the people at the top is when we control our money differently, because money talks, and money is the only language that they speak at the top.
0: Welcome to the Filipina on the Rise podcast, where I spotlight Pinay powerhouses, meaning Filipino women doing big things and making an impact. I'm your host, Crystal Fabella, and I want to elevate Filipina excellence and celebrate what it means to be a Filipina. Today, we're talking to Berna Nott, who is a financial literacy educator, video producer, speaker, and a writer, or as most of us know her as the financial hype woman, who's dedicated to making financial literacy more funny, accessible, and more brown for young people everywhere. She runs Hey Berna, a financial literacy media series, and has been featured on everything from Forbes, Yahoo Finance, Medium, and more. On this episode, we're going to cover her journey as a financial influencer, break down and decolonize our financial falsehoods that have been passed down by generations in the Filipino community. And at the very end, we offer up tips and tricks that you can walk away with to take a step closer to your personal financial freedom and empowerment. In your own words, who is Berna, what do you do, and what is your mission?
1: Oh, man. Okay. That's so funny because it feels it feels separate. Like, who is Berna feels separate okay. from who is Hey Berna, right? And, like, the yeah. financial mission. So okay. I want to know who Berna is. Yes. That's a very good question because I'm like, I want to know who Berna is, too. Like, <laughs> who's this beef? Um, I would say Berna is a Filipino-American who is working very much on being less American and more Filipina. Mm. I always tell people that I'm like Kirkland brand Filipina because I was born and raised in South San Francisco, California. Full Filipina. My mom is from Davao and Mindanao. My dad is from Manila. But I mean, really, really raised American because my parents, I think, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, my parents really wanted us as kids to be as assimilated as possible. Exactly. No accent, you know, really wanted us to blend. Berna is a natural cheerleader. She gets excited and she, by me, I'm going to talk in the third person for no damn reason. I get excited about everything yeah. all the time. I remember growing up and like I became an, I was a cheerleader in high school and I remember thinking tangentially like, is there a job in which I could just get paid to be excited Oh my God, about stuff? It. Like, can I just be excited? So at the very core, Berna is an enthusiast. She's a cheerleader. She's a person who was put on this earth to get people excited about themselves mm-hmm. and looks like in this part of my career get people excited about something that we're not usually excited about, which is money. Mm-hmm. And so Can I go off of that
0: yes. and just say the reason why I was very drawn to Berna when I first saw her? It was at the entrepreneur summit. Yay. And she was giving a lightning talk. Yes. And her energy just galvanized the room. And so this is the first line that really hooked me.
1: There are no no, financial idols, analysts, teachers, creators that looked like me, that looked like us, that sounded like us. So I was like, what? <laughs> but it's not like, I looked at the money world and I was like, oh my God, this place needs some vitamin me. Uh. No, that's not how I felt. Because sometimes I feel that way, but not this time. I had internalized all the same shame And all the same silence that all of us in this room have felt about money at some point. But the more I started to share what I was learning about budgeting, what I was learning about debt online, the more I had overwhelming feedback. Not just from people, but from women of color specifically. Mm. That's when I was like, ooh, we are onto something here. (laughs) Oh my God, so weird to hear yourself. So
0: the part that really I loved, y'all have to watch it, was when she was like, it needs more melanin. <laughs> and I, it just made me realize how um, the financial world, when you think about it conceptually in your head, you just you see white men yes. and you see Wall Street and people in gray suits and then you see Berna. And if you haven't seen her YouTube um, yet, she's twerking. Mm. And Mm-mm. she's talking about finances. That's right. Like what? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you continue.
1: Yeah, I try to not just bring enthusiasm and like cheer to, you know, not just finance but everything that I do, but also like how can I – how can I put something in the world that hasn't been there before, right? And I think one thing that, of course, I'm sure that you encourage your listeners to do and you encourage your listeners to do with just the creation of this podcast and this brand is to putting yourself out there in a way that the world has never seen before and that's like sort of the most natural expression of yourself, right? What you make, what you create is something that's already never been there before.
0: And Berna, you actually talked about how you've been on podcasts before, right? Yes. And you would talk about this, The, I mean, you would talk about financial freedom and owning our financial stories, um but w- like what is a the theme within a lot of you know the speeches that you feel like you haven't gone to promote as much of
1: Oh my gosh absolutely so I was so excited to come on Filipinas on the Rise because I was specifically able to kind of bang this drum that I've been banging pretty much all year long but I feel like it would resonate the most with the listeners of Filipinas on the Rise mm-hmm. and that is the way that money moves in communities of People of color and of immigrants and children of immigrants, but in the Filipino and Filipino-American community specifically, the way that money moves, the way that we think about finances or we don't think about finances, the way that shame shows up in our finances that is so specific to our experience, I think the mistake that a lot of us make when we think about money and the way that money works in our world We think that it's just a matter of numbers. We think that it's just a matter of, you know, the dollars and the cents. But money is so entrenched in our personalities, in our histories. And because it's entrenched in our histories, it's also so entrenched in our culture. And money shows up in our lives and it actually represents so much of what's happened to our ancestors hmm. and the people who came before us. And so there's just so much to dig into that's Filipino-specific.
0: We are about to go on a journey. Yes, a huge like one. A journey back generations to our ancestors. Um, and how many of us can relate that money was not talked about in our families? Our parents did not share their finances. We just did not talk about it. We did not. Um, so I'm excited about that. Yes. Berna went through a lot of different positions and experiences before she got here. I don't know if y'all know this, but she was a freelance writer for Seventeen Magazine when you were at USC. Yes. You are a program director for this teen camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like there's this running thread for working with the youth. Yes. Um, love always. that. Through all that, I, I bet you didn't go into college thinking, I'm going to be a financial consultant.
1: Oh my God, never. For my people. <laughs> never. So
0: like, tell me about how you got there. Like the $50,000 debt, mm. 50K mm and then credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's the line that I think pulls people in like I paid off this yeah. much debt after creating my own budgeting system. Mm-hmm. Like what went on during this like time as like a writer, producer, like whatever going into the financial world.
1: Yes. Oh my god. I 100% never, ever, ever in a million years thought I would ever get into finance anything. I was, a, you know, as you saw, like, in my sort of career, I was a writer. Yeah. I did, like, youth programming. I was always a person that was like, I'm not good at math or science. Bye, I'm going to be a PR major. I'm in a communication yeah. school. Like, numbers are my enemy. Words are my friend. And the, I, like, when I think back, like, I could never, I couldn't convince my college self that I would ever get into finance because it's so not, no one in my family was into finance. There was no kind of financial background ever. And I think this is true for a lot of um, children of immigrants that, like, you just have no financial background. You have no means. Well, it's
0: the concept of, like, I would never get into that because it's not for me. But it should be something everyone has a skill set and
1: knowledge on. Exactly. It should be a required life skill. It
0: should. Exactly. And I know you were doing work to do that. But um, yes. anyways, back to this.
1: Yes, of course. So I had no, I I would have had no idea because I was always, I would, I, Believe that same story that a lot of us tell in our heads, which is just like, I'm just not good with money. I'm just not, as if it's this like, you know, God ordained thing that we're supposed to be good at or bad at. I'm, I was like, I'm not good with money, not good with numbers, whatever. And what got me into it was I was broke as hell in New York City, broke as hell. And I was a freelance writer and I was, I was lucky enough to, you know, take the chance to be a freelance writer, but I also had gotten so used to being bad at money that it was almost like, I thought it was like a quirky personality trait, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Where I was just like, I'm broke and I'm a hot mess, like blah, blah, blah. And I also noticed that, oh, hey friends. I also noticed that there were so many other people who kind of liked to repeat the same refrain of just like, we're bad at money, blah, blah, blah. You know, like me and all my friends are bad at money and broke in in our 20s in New York City. Um, And it wasn't until I stopped being freelance, I actually got a full-time job Uh, to come back to San Francisco that I was like, okay, this is the universe's way of saying, Berna, you don't get to be a financial hot mess anymore. Like you're going to get a paycheck every other Friday. This is an amazing blessing. And that's when I was like, maybe I should look into, and I always call it like the ancient Caucasian art of budgeting. Maybe I should finally like see what this budgeting thing is all about. So I started to just do what any other millennial would do if they're curious about something and they don't know what the hell it means. You Google it. I was just like, "Hey Google, what what does budget? Who is spreadsheet? <laughs> like bleep, bloop, blah, blorp. Oh I don't even gosh. know where to start." But what really got me started in personal finance is when I was when I was googling and when I was looking into those things. It struck me so hard that every top voice, every mm-hmm. master, every leader, every time somebody wanted to recommend a book or a blog to me, white men, white men, white men, white men, white men, white men everywhere. But isn't that our world that is our world i was like of course and nothing wrong with that honestly i did de- you know my boyfriend's white i mean weren't my partner's white too <laughs> and i will tell him to his face that there's everything wrong with that yes I'm, I'm like that's a problem god damn it and it because it, it makes no sense it's not like older privileged white men are the only people with money problems and also when they talk to me a brown girl child of immigrants about money problems does not relate. relate yeah yes no, does sure. not connect at all yeah. So it was, that's what really got me kind of angry and indignant and was like, you know mm-hmm, what? I love that. Okay. Let me try to put my butt in this thing and see mm-hmm. what happens. Okay. okay. Yes. And that's what happened. And so that's how it started. Yes. Okay. The very first post that I created on Instagram was about how I had been creating this budgeting system by basically just journaling my money every time I got a paycheck.
0: Okay. If, if y'all need contacts on this, go on her like top YouTube video, how I paid off fifty thousand dollars of debt. Yes. Um, and she talks about Felicia's wallet, which is an a document, an online Google Doc. Yes. Um, created that's like sixty pages long initially. Yeah.
1: At this point, it's I think it's like one hundred eighty pages yeah. long. It's crazy.
0: I know, and um, it's it's literally something anyone can do. Like at the end, she's like, "This is what you do: open every doc and then be real with yourself about your finances," <laughs> which is like literally the step none of us can take because we haven't been taught to actually ask those questions.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's so many questions we haven't been taught to ask. We haven't been taught any kind of hallway or doorway into finances that makes sense to us. You know, when I was started learning how to budget, it was like all these outlets were like, you should use this Excel sheet and you should use this app and you should you should read this book. And I was like, uh, first of all, like we just said, like it's all written by white guys and I cannot relate to your voice. I'm already turned off. Second, like that stuff doesn't work for me. It's like I'm not naturally numbers person. So I started journaling in the Google Doc. And that's how it really started to work for me. And then when I started to share, hey, guys, I made up this random Google Doc system. I don't know. What do you guys think? The reaction from that was huge. Like The comments, the questions, the like, the emails and the private messages that I got of people were so shocked that a woman of color was talking about her money on the internet. And so that's when I was like, oh, we're onto something here.
0: Well, that in and itself is just when I see somebody that looks like me, yeah. such as you, talking in this convicted way about personal finances, um, it puts my mind in a set of like, I can start thinking about this. Exactly. I have the ability to take control of my finances as a, a like a Filipino, as a brown woman, as a, a woman of color, um, as a person who doesn't have any of this history in her family. And so thank you for being that like first face. And it's crazy because we talked about like, this
1: time there's a lot of firsts yeah like you as crystal building philippines on the rise it's not like you were like oh good i can just copy paste the model of all the millions of filipino platforms out there (laughs) that is like super there's so many successful ones that are just like spilling our stories out everywhere we're building this ourselves and like we 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 are at this very interesting sort of precipice we're between our parents generations Mm -hmm. who mostly grew up and born and raised in the philippines and ourselves who have to figure out how to function As full on Americans inside of, you know, and this administration's America, which is a very interesting thing. So everything
0: that we do is a first. Everything 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 that we do is a draft. But it's almost like, okay, it it takes a point of like, there's no one like me. There's no one like me. This is so annoying. I can't relate. I can relate. (laughs) And then, like, you almost find it's like, oh, it's me. Yes. I am that person that that needs to step in and take ownership to listeners who are like, I don't see myself in this space, mm-hmm. you know, a space that they're passionate about, that they want more Filipino representation and it could be them, but they're feeling a little mm. incompetent mm-hmm. or, you know, self-doubt or just lack of resources, support. What do you say to them?
1: Oh, I would say something that I actually said during my lightning talk, I believe an Entrepreneur. is that if you don't see the stage that you belong on, then you build the stage yourself. Oh. You know, like if you don't see the platform that your face would thrive on then that means it's your calling to help make that platform Mm -hmm. or to find the person that is trying to make that platform and lift them up too Mm -hmm. because like you were just saying crystal it's when you look around and you're like i don't see it i don't feel it i don't you know i don't see me and it's so frustrating i don't see me that in itself is a reverse call to look at yourself Mm -hmm. and be like oh shit that means it's on me that means that i'm the one to create that for future people and so and it's also like there are so many advantages, right, to that feeling right now because, like you, like you and I are recording a podcast, right. in an office. Like we're not supposed to be recording a podcast, man, <laughs> because that is like the technology we have access to now, right? Like yeah, you can you create these what you things, have, you use what you have, Literally. and there's so much to have, there's so much used to, to use. Google Doc, yes, basically. Like, like, oh, let me make an app. No. <laughs> I was like let me let me do for me I was like and this is probably something that if that person is listening yeah. now that's like oh my gosh like where can I make the platform where do I belong mm-hmm. use something that's already innate to you exactly. you know what I mean so why I did not like numbers and excel sheets and apps were not innate to me yeah. what was innate to me was journaling about yeah. my feelings that's something right. i did all the natural time natural writer natural writer, love to journal it's always the most consistent thing i did my whole life so i was yeah. like what if i took journaling and turned that on money like took that journaling I mean, energy put it on money I love that. and here i am i
0: think you're like breaking barriers of what like we we get so close-minded sometimes about like avenues of expression yes. and education Okay, hey, for example finances this means sheets mm. and charts a degree and yes a degree but it's just like uh well I write so let me do google docs exactly and then you paid off your 50,000 dollars of debt
1: <laughs> exactly exactly and I did not need like google sheets I didn't need to create an app I didn't need to use an app I used what I understood and that's what really made me realize that like money is not a thing that we should have we should have to diy for ourselves like we just said it should have been a life skill it should be yeah. something that we learned the way we're supposed to like okay. you know we get home ec classes yeah. old school and we learn yeah. how to cook and you learn how to sew
0: we learn european history we learn european history
1: <laughs> from european teachers with european textbooks and european story and it's all effed up you're like, can
0: i have 10 minutes of learning yes. about my people or finances or
1: brown people or or like exactly like the the whole thing i'm gonna use (laughs) exactly that whole meme of just like so i have no idea how taxes work but i do know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the south like why do we know that shit we don't know how to file taxes absolutely it's so ridiculous Um,
0: just so you know there's different forms of putting out content in there Mm. um berna literally has memes for days (laughs) that speak to my soul and make me feel Like, I can take control of my finances. (laughs) That is, I think,
1: actually a really important part of the work that I do is that, like, what I didn't see enough of in the finance world is humor. Like, internet, toilet-ass humor, Reddit humor, TikTok humor. Like, the humor that you and I
0: speak. And Filipinos are naturally humorous. We're We're funny. Yes,
1: we express ourselves through joy, through laughter, through singing, through dancing. And, like, us internet kids, we express ourselves through memes. Honestly, what inspired me about that was, like, the, the rise of like social, social and political memes like the fact that you can learn about like like I learned about what happened about with Notre Dame through memes that was like making fun of the concept and like how we're treating it and you can work backwards and be like oh that actually educated me so I'm like I think we can educate people in that same sort of Almost like insidious Trojan horse way of like ha ha ha, humor, but this is actually meant to make you think about paying your bills. Oh snap! Now you're thinking about paying your bills. Now
0: people feel connected to it. Exactly, it feels something within what they can grasp and relateable to them. Yeah, lesson is find a craft that feels natural to you. Yes, and find a way to apply whatever your purpose or your passion is through that. Like it literally doesn't have to be this traditional way of Mm -hmm. you know doing things um you might just surprise yourself with the revolution that you're creating just like
1: (laughs) exactly i would say that like try to find a way where it doesn't
0: already exist like that should be your
1: priority that's your
0: thing that's your way in exactly Um, because
1: only you are going to be able to connect your greek mythology passion (laughs) with rollerblading you know what i mean like and and the, the world has not seen that before. No. And, and you so. You will
0: find your community that
1: really. You will to literally that. find Weirdly your community. Enough. Or you'll make it. Like <laughs> when I put together, like, financial and hype women, I was like, this makes no damn sense. No one's going to understand what it means. But I felt like I was putting something in the world that didn't exist. And the response really affirmed that.
0: Did you ever hit times where you're like, no one's going to appreciate this? This mm. is, you know, this is not um, going to speak to anybody? Because um, I like to dig into people's low points yes. a lot of uh, doubt, because if. Our community, especially the women, go through anything more. It's like this process of self-disqualification Ooh, wow. and mm. this like echoing of what our families have told us. You know, tell me about the low point and then what pushed you.
1: Of course. Oh, my gosh. I think this uh, the sort of skipping over the low points in my life, kind of like, a, you know, like you skip a rock. Like there are so many mm. points in which yeah. culturally I could have been denied what I wanted but I had to push through or something happened to basically convince my family that it's worth it to push through. So I uh, got, it's so random, but I remember being in Chevy's with my family oh my and gosh. like, and for some reason proclaiming over a dinner at Chevy's to my mom when I was maybe 11 or 12, I was like, I want to be a writer. Oh and they were gosh. like, no, you always said like, at that point I had learned that when I say I want to be a doctor or a vet, my family gets excited. You know, like as a young person, I learned what to say to make them happy. And I learned that to say that you want to be a doctor or a lawyer makes them happy. So I would always be like, I want to be a vet because I like pets. But I was harboring this secret like, no, but I love to write. I want to write for a living. And I remember telling that over Chevys and they were just sort of like, stop. Like that whole, just like calm down. That's like not what we're going to do. And I think my like grades in writing and reading, which were way better than my grades in in math and science, kind (laughs) of proved that. I was just like, if you want me to be a doctor, I'm going to be a shitty doctor. But I am going to be a good writer. Mm. So in those grades. Mm -hmm. And then. There were so many moments, especially in my adult life, that I got into a role of prestige, mm. a role that my Filipino parents were like, all right, this we can is, we can brag about it. Yeah, this is braggable. This is braggable. <laughs> like, she got into USC. Let's brag. Yeah. She's working for 17. Mm-hmm, let's brag. brag. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to quit working in the publishing industry, quit, quit working at 17, of course, my parents came fast with the, like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? This is a stable job. You worked for this. Like, what am I supposed to tell my my friends and family, what you do, you know what I mean? Like, how am I supposed to communicate this? Um, you're like, you're jumping ship to go work at a camp. Like, what, what kind of money does that even make? Like, what is that all about? Um, and then same when I mean I used to work for Instagram. I worked for for Facebook for two years, and then my parents were like, "Oh hell yeah, yeah get like, to brag on people." Back. <laughs> yeah, when the, like aunts and uncles visit the Bay Area, Instagram? exactly. <laughs> she works at the Facebooks. At the Facebooks. She works at the Facebooks, yeah. and like friends and family would visit from wherever, from the Philippines, from Vegas, and take I could take pictures. them on the Facebook yeah. tour, and it was like this big thing. And so when I told them that I was quitting. Facebook so that I could travel for a year and then maybe be a freelancer New in New Zealand they were Asia they were like why I think at this point they were like we're so used to making you making weird ass decisions that <laughs> it was just like whatever yeah, yeah. Um, but they were, they were very, they're very I think to this day they're still a little bit concerned I think bringing home the ABS-CBN r- award helped. Awards do that. You they know? do that it's especially like this when it's very they... tangible
0: yes. affirmation
1: exactly but there were definitely low points and actually I, I would say that The lowest point, it was more of like a sort of low boil thing that I, a message that I carried in my head that to me this day now like this day I'm like oh my god I can't believe I told myself that I told myself for the longest time that I would never be an entrepreneur Wow. I was always like you know what I'm a really good worker bee I really like to have a manager I really like structure I would always tell myself and other people that I'm such a good team player like I really like to be told what to do I, I am so good when you give me structure and I like to have a manager pet my head and I like for there to be a rubric I like to get my gold star yeah it was I realized that that was bred out of being an obedient Asian American daughter my whole life I was bred, we are bred to be good workers. We're bred to be good followers and, you know, really hardworking when you tell me what to do. And so the, the, the
0: concept of entrepreneurship was almost like anti that. Oh, anti that like, entirely. I was right, like, that's not for like me. You kind of fight it off a while, well, even though it's innate in you. Yes.
1: And, and like, it's funny know. because over the last 10 months, it's still been. So in January of this year is when I was like, all right, I'm going to try this thing. And so the last 10 months have been some of the hardest mental growth I've ever been through because I'm fighting again you know it's been 10 months great but compared to almost 30 years of telling myself I'm never going to be an entrepreneur that's just not for me I can never yeah. be, be my own boss
0: so I'm, I'm sure there's so many people that wrestle with that like yeah. you're not an entrepreneur mm-hmm. just stay back in corporate America like you know yeah. things like, that. Yeah. Um, like when you heard those um, like in your head the mm-hmm. um, self talk telling you you're not meant to do X Y and Z mm-hmm. like w- what kept prodding you onwards yeah Um, and what advice do you give to listeners who are constantly hearing that but then feeling something different
1: gotcha so I think my first few fights with this voice in my head started when I started to do smaller things that I always thought like well I never thought I would be able to do that you know like for example moving out to New York's moving out to New York city by myself and uh like getting into freelance like there were moments where like you know I sort of pushed myself into a place where I'm like I'm going to do freelance I'm going to pursue this pursue this goal of like I'm going to quit 17 and I'm going to go work at camps and I sort of like finally get my head above water and go that's kind of crazy I never thought I'd be able to do that (laughs) I just did that like that's pretty crazy a big moment of course was when I actually paid off my student loans. And like, you know, two, three years before I paid off my student loans, I had considered student loans sort of like a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just always going to have it. I'm always going to have it forever. And so having paid that off, I was like, once upon a time, not that long ago, I thought this was impossible, but I did it.
0: I feel that way right now. Yeah. About your student
1: loans. Yeah. Yes. That it's just like a thing that's going to be with us forever, which like, you know, it can be, it might be. And the path out is pretty aggressive, but it's doable. But doable. And doable from a person who had no financial background, who had no help, who had no like kind of privileged platform on which to like manage these debts. I had to crawl out of that stuff myself. But having accomplished that, it was one of those things where I'm like, wow, I did that. What the hell else am I capable of that I actually talk myself out of all the time? And nowadays I still hear that voice. And you know, to be totally honest, therapy has helped me. Big time. Therapy, therapy, therapy. That's also
0: stigmatized within our
1: community. Exactly. (laughs) Ain't it crazy about all the things that are stigmatized in our community that actually hold us back? Because if it wasn't for therapy, then it, it would be really hard for me to separate out the voice that pushes me forward versus the voice that is meant to push me back. You know, like we'll hear all those voices and we think that it's our intuition talking. We think that our gut is telling us, you're not meant to be an entrepreneur. You should probably chill out. That's actually fear for me for me it's fear it's fear of failure it's fear of not being perfect at whatever it is it's fear of letting people down and i wouldn't have been able to identify that i think without therapy and with a lot without like basically a sanctioned and healthy way to talk out loud <laughs> to myself which is such an entrepreneurial thing yeah. to
0: do okay so let's talk about generational Ooh. falsehoods
1: yes i know we've been wanting to dive into this mm-hmm.
0: but from a bird's eye view What's happening with finances in Filipinos?
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. I feel like, I mean, talk about the fact, like, what we were just saying about being in such transition. In like, you and I are in the generation where we're constantly straddling home thoughts, America thoughts, like, thoughts of our parents and our families, thoughts of my friends and my peers in America. We are constantly having to choose between, in our brains, between what our families taught us about money And how we see money move in America itself and how we're seeing money move for ourselves as we become adults, you know, like maybe, for example, my mom would tell me all these things about credit that ended up not being true. For example, like, you know, you should always keep a really healthy, big balance on your credit cards because the banks want to see that you're able to spend on credit cards. Mm ends up not being true and that's like you're that
0: like where did we get that
1: from exactly tanked <laughs> my freaking credit score for most of my life because i was like you're supposed to have a balance and then when i started looking to personal finance blogs and things they are like no 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 no, a balance is a bad thing wow. and i was like so there goes my credit I bet people
0: are listening to this like what what exactly <laughs>
1: there goes my credit score for a million years um one thing that i think is really important even just like a small example to bring up in the filipino-american community so there was a surveyed by world bank i think in 2016 or 2017 where they surveyed all filipinos in the philippines and working abroad um, they sort of surveyed all of us on our financial literacy and they found that 59 percent of filipinos in the philippines and abroad do not use bank accounts straight up are not putting their money in bank accounts at all no. meaning that they're putting their life savings in mm. socks <laughs> Under the floor in tin cans in tin cans in shoe boxes I know for a fact that my dad puts but money why? in his socks why Oh that? very very good question. So when I saw that I was like I just got angry I was like, oh my god that's why like I wasn't really taught to bank that's why like my parents are kind of weird when it comes to banks they don't really know what's happening because they didn't learn it mistrust It's mistrust but it, co- it comes for a very good reason a couple of reasons mm-hmm. so one example is how you know in World War II. There was a lot of, you know, of course, like we know that that Japanese forces came and just like fuck shit up in the Philippines. Right. Turns out. So I did a little bit of like historical research through this. It turns out that Japanese forces, when they were trying to weaken the Philippines, they specifically targeted the financial epicenters of the Philippines, meaning Cebu and Manila. And they would bomb and disseminate Cebu and Manila because they knew that that's where the majority of Filipino personal wealth lives, banks, banks in Manila and banks in Cebu. So when they destroyed those banks, they were straight up destroying Filipinos' life savings, like regular everyday Filipinos' life savings. So when that happened, and it affected obviously millions of Filipinos in the Philippines, after that, of course, our families would be like, why would I ever trust a bank again?
0: Nope. I'm not putting my money in
1: there. I put my entire life savings and my grandparents' life savings, my home loans, everything I've ever earned in these banks and because of the war they were destroyed and could never be paid back because they were uninsured.
0: Along with all the other traumas. that the
1: war. Along with all the other physical and emotional uh, traumas we had to deal with. Yeah. They had to deal with the fact. I mean, like, this is warfare, right? Like, the Japanese and other so forces dirty. like that were, exactly, That's they played dirty, dirty. Because they knew that that would kill the morale of Filipino people.
0: Because we work hard and we save. People.
1: Exactly. And we trusted these institutions to protect our money. Uh, but when they were decimated in the war, there's nothing that anyone could do. Yeah. And so, so are people... you saying that, that,
0: uh, amongst, I'm sure, other instances, but that carried yes. on to the philosophies of finances that we have now a
1: hundred (laughs) thousand percent so
0: like but my fan my parents for example wouldn't be like oh yeah we we don't talk about like we don't do this because back in like 1941 whatever Mm -hmm. like but it's just been passed down in this taboo way
1: exactly and it i think it's also solidified by the fact that money is not a conversation we have openly it's not like we're talking every day about where our money habits came from we're thinking about all the time we are told and shown our money habits in these very strained restricted pockets of our lives because the the message that we get about money is we don't talk about it and we definitely don't talk about it with strangers and when it's not going well we definitely don't talk about it to people outside of our family you only show people that you're doing good you only show people you're doing good by yeah. buying shit that you probably you get can't afford Louis
0: Vuitton bag
1: thank you no. that's right you go to, you, like you, go to Vegas. you go you take all these trips around you, the world I mean, you
0: take pictures in Italy with your family
1: thank you you post on like Facebook like what's happening the finances <laughs> oh, no. but we don't talk about that we don't talk about the fact that like I know Tito boy cannot afford that Lexus but he bought it anyway and there it is on Facebook I know It's like like because he
0: bought it, we should probably buy it. Then
1: we should probably buy it. (laughs) And there's a lot inside of that. So, for example, you know, for our families that moved from the Philippines, immigrated from the Philippines to the U.S., a lot of them were chasing what we know as the American dream, right? And it turns out that the American dream, as capitalistic as we are, like symbols of the American dream, are expensive. Nice cars, big house, they're materialistic. And so for our families that come here, they – they sort of process that as like in order to prove to the folks back home that I'm doing good I gotta buy shit
0: totally I gotta buy
1: this house I gotta buy this car and to prove to my fellow Filipino immigrants here I'm doing good I'm okay I'm not drowning I might be drowning but I don't want to show people so a lot of our families spend and spend and spend to show that their sacrifice leaving the Philippines was worth it and to show other Filipinos I'm doing great I don't know about you
0: as if that supersedes what's happening on the back end exactly exactly it's like you just gotta show you've made it you just gotta show you've made it what can we like Reflect on Mm -hmm. their family and how do we start taking back like that narrative of our finances?
1: Yes, of course. Oh my gosh! So the very first thing is, you know, if if you're like me, where I was maybe three four years ago, and I'm like, I don't even know where to start in terms of like understanding my family's finances, just basically listen for if there are these themes that happen in your family and understand that like this is not just happening in your family but so many other Filipino American families you know so one theme I call it the frugal flex theory and we talked about this in entrepreneurs so it's growing up with all these messages of flexing like I'm gonna buy the expensive car that we can not afford I'm gonna refinance our house so we can buy another house so we can show people that I afforded this house in Fairfield or Vegas or whatever um, it's, you know, fighting over the bill when all these families come together yeah, for dinner. Yeah. We're gonna what? fight over the bill. And you're sitting there like, none of you can no, afford this whole damn fucking dinner.
0: I'm always like, Dad, don't why are you doing this? You know you can't do this,
1: but it's a flex thing, right? So totally. all these messages of flexing, but at the same time you go home, you get behind closed doors, and then it's like frugality oh. town you're gonna pack your you're gonna pack food to bring to the movie yeah. theater don't buy that here i could buy it for you cheap in the philippines aka fake yeah. like yeah you know we can't afford this yeah. we can't afford that yeah. it's spend it's you know being spend thrift and yeah. coupon clipping and things like that and so if you understand that you probably spent the last two three decades ping-ponging between frugal flex frugal flex Ooh. frugal flex This is why you're confused. Like, this is why it's confusing. And so I would encourage people to identify whether they're inside of that frugal flex ping pong and have some empathy for yourself in that, like, why are you confused about money? Because you were told all kinds of random shit about money because you were told things that that you were told confusing messages that don't add up. And so be a little bit more empathetic with yourself. And then also, like, ask yourself... What was your family's individual experience with money, and how does that, in any tangential way, connect to the way that you function with money now? For example, my my parents were very into the frugal flex big time, and even when right the frugal flex, it's like it's and it's funny because you could say like the brugal flex, like it feels like a like a Filipino I don't know cineplex brugal flex, but like my the for example my family would would typically uh, spend even though we didn't have the money. And if we came upon money, for example, if somebody won something in Vegas, boom, Chanel purse. Chanel purse, why? Don't know. Pretty sure we're still behind on the mortgage. Pretty sure we still own a, like this, we're leasing that car. Um, but we spend the money anyway. And then I saw that in my adult life, like the more I thought about them, the more I was like, the more I was like, yeah, that is something that happened in my, my financial life growing up. Like I saw that and that was confusing. The more I was able to connect, to connect that with my own habits of like when I come upon money, when I get a bonus at work, I'm like, what well, can I splurge it on? I'm not thinking about saving it because I didn't learn to save stuff like that. I'm repeating what my parents did. So in what ways are you repeating what you saw?
0: Oh, my gosh. So it's almost like what ways can you break a generational curse? Yes, of finance exactly. That's so great. Those are things we don't think about. Like yep. we always like talk about, you know, the concept of generational curses of like mm-hmm. my family raised kids like this, so I'm gonna break it and do this. But it's yeah. just like the finance aspect. Like we don't think about that has how that was transient. Yes, um, through and through, right? And like you're so right. When I think about like now I have money, now I have, like, what am I going to do with it, mm-hmm. and what am I going to ignore about my, like, realities, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, literally things passed down. Um, yes. I, I just remember my own, like, I love you, dad, but <laughs> um, literally, like, we can't afford that because this is this much, and then, like, this will cost this much, and it was just, like, this, like, urgency all the time, mm-hmm. like, from, like, extreme, like, disaster urgency mode to, like, and now we're going to go on a trip uh-huh. with the five families, too, mm-hmm. on a cruise. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, what?
1: How? How? It doesn't add <laughs>
0: up. Yeah. And then back to that, and we're just like, we're spending too much on this. Like, don't yeah. spend on that. Don't turn on the heater. And, and, and then it's just it's like- exactly that. It's
1: I'm always telling people that, like, the same way that we analyze and unpack relationship trauma that happened to us when we were kids and how that presents itself when we get into adult relationships, yeah. same exact thing with financial trauma. Same exact thing. Trauma. Yes, because money is so personal. So personal. You deal with it every okay, day. Okay, get on that though. Like yes, in your own, like in your
0: own financial movement. Mm. What does financial freedom and transparency actually
1: look like? Sure. So, freedom and financial transparency, of course, starts with us. I think it's incredibly hard. This is something that really pissed me off about the personal finance world is that, you know, they would encourage, like, the things I would read in the podcast, they would encourage you, you know, look at yourself and your own personal finances, but then talk to your family about finances and how it's always worked, and talk to your family about your financial history. Yeah, Crystal's like, <laughs> shaking her head at me. No. Because that would weird. not fucking work no. in a Filipino-American family yeah. or an Asian-American family. You can't just roll up to your mom and be like, hey, mom, how come you sucked at, s- at saving money? <laughs> how come you sucked at this? Yeah. Or, like, how come you always taught me weird things? Like, you it just does not move that way inside of our families. And so I think it's really important to first become financially transparent with yourself, mm-hmm. and also be very gentle, be very gentle with yourself, because it's just like unpacking childhood trauma. Yeah. You can't just be like, "Well, that happened, and now I gotta move the hell on. I gotta make this budget." Like, yeah. whatever you unpack about your finances is going to also unpack a lot of emotions around your finances. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, i i have a, a I have an online course called Budget Camp, and it's like a budgeting course. Mm-hmm. And one of my budget campers. We always go through this like exercise of unpacking your financial baggage and it was an amazing epiphany she made where she was like, um, I asked these basically budget campers to start writing a letter to your money as if it was a person and she started writing that letter and she was like, it was the weirdest thing because I started to write the letter and I realized that these are the words that I wish I could say to my absent father. It was nuts. Yeah, she was like, these are the words that I wish I could say to my absent father and I realized that I equate money with the way that my my father was in and out of my life. He was the, emo- the financial sort of like holder for our family. He held the money and he held love. He withheld the money. He withheld the love. So I grew up feeling like I could never really earn his love. I could never do enough to earn his love and I could never do enough to earn the financial freedom he gave us. And so growing up, she felt completely out of control with money and just assumed that it was out of her hands. And so she kind of talked herself out of creating financial structure for herself
0: so it's almost like we can personify our yes. relationship with finance a
1: hundred percent like
0: that's so radical
1: yes you can you can talk to your money like it is a person i i guarantee you if you go home tonight drink some wine and start okay. writing out your letter with money you <laughs> will be so, so surprised sc- i
0: get like a twist in my stomach yeah. when you say get real with your finances exactly and your budget i'm like no
1: no exactly i and I'm not asking you to go hurt somebody. You know, I'm not asking you to like, I'm not asking you to bend your morals. I'm just asking you to look at your money. But yeah. even just that sentence, do you see how emotional oh, it's yeah. already tied up? And oh,
0: because it's so personal. It's
1: so personal. It, yeah. it brings up feelings of adequacy and inadequacy. It brings up feelings of self-esteem, what your parents could and couldn't give you. Like, mm-hmm. it is just one of the most yeah. personal things in the world.
0: So what, like, what are you, like, how are you personally
1: empowering
0: your fellow Filipinas when you do this
1: yes of course so I think and it's kind of like what we're saying before of just our existence in any space especially all white spaces is a revolution in and of itself so I think one way that i I empower fellow Filipinas and also women and women of color is just to exist in the personal finance world you know like when I show up at these conferences these all-white conferences and I stay that is one way that I sort of stand up for Filipino yeah, people, you know, right. when and I make, speak up and I speak up exactly. <laughs> when I raise my hand and surprise people with the fact that I could put together a damn sentence. <laughs> wow. A revolutionary, like a revolution Filipinas. But also like the more that I persist on creating videos and creating social media content, um, the more that I bring the conversation of money into the Filipinos around me and normalize it and normalize it and normalize it, yeah. it helps to put money in their brains in a way that wasn't put there before exactly yeah. and financial freedom can free up so many other parts so of how life. like
0: in a nutshell if you're like promoting it like you could do this like how what has it freed up in your life how has it changed your life like-
1: oh, oh my gosh that's so funny because I was just talking to somebody today about this okay debt freedom is something that I literally wake up every day and I'm not kidding like this is not just a, like an Oprah like gratitude thing but I literally wake up every day and at some point in the day think about how grateful I am to be debt free and I was I was saying to somebody earlier today that it's like it's it's like having gone through your whole life living on one lung and then suddenly getting two you didn't even realize how anxious you were you didn't realize how oppressed you were you didn't realize how much weight you carry every single day until the weight is lifted and you're like oh my god I can make this way I can breathe this way and to breathe this way means to be able to make decisions like I'm gonna try to be an entrepreneur this year Mm. I would have never made that decision if I had debt
0: So you start taking on all these other risks, risks. Yep, chances, chances. Yep, I can say financially free. Exactly,
1: I can say yes to taking work off for a week to support my sister who's moving into a new apartment. I can say yes to becoming an entrepreneur. I can say yes to flying across the country to support a friend at an award show or something like that. Like I can say yes to being a better friend, a better daughter, a better family member because I don't have not
0: even spending that money on the Gucci. No.
1: It's about no. finally doing the
0: damn things you want. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's about being able to make decisions without yeah. financial fear. Yeah. Which and like. You buy the Gucci. Exactly. And you can buy the. Way, <laughs> if, I, if I felt like buying the Gucci, if I was a Gucci buyer, I'd be able to buy all the goddamn Gucci I wanted because I'm not buying the Gucci with a like secret yeah. accessory yes. of debt fear that yeah. always comes with buying the yeah. Gucci before that. So it's just like being able to be free to make yeah. the decisions that I want. And like, I would have never been able to, to strategize my business like the way that I have if I was constantly worried about paying off my debt I would be like well I got to go get a side hustle or I got to go stick to my nine to five now that I don't like I could conceptually go many months without earning money because I don't have debt eating at me Mm -hmm. you know and I and that time is invaluable I think about it every day
0: that is so crazy yeah it's crazy I'm like let's get free I'm like how much later do I want to wait to get financially free yes like it's gonna it's either gonna come or it's gonna keep holding you back exactly so um, that's crazy. I feel like I just want to go away home right now and like actually,
1: yeah, I mean, I 100% wish a hundred percent wish I drink wine I'd start <laughs> with drinking wine. I would a hundred percent like I a hundred percent wish I started earlier. Yeah. I could have okay, been okay. having fun in my twenties without okay. the ball and chain, Oh my but it's a ball and chain. I didn't realize I hadn't time I is the one thing you don't get back. Exactly. Right. Time is, yeah. time is why I got into this game. Wow. Like I'm not teaching people about money so that you can be more rich. Or or pay like paying so off your debt you is can great.
0: Optimize your time, so you and can your get that gifts.
1: exactly. So you can get time back mm, for yourself because
0: that's
1: good. Wasting time is like a crime. You know, wasting time mm. and wasting money is a crime in the U.S. Right? Like it's a crime in our in our brains right. and our systems. So the re- the opposite of that, re- the revolution of that, is being able to take care of your finances so that you have all the time in the world to do whatever the fuck Ugh. you want and to build what it is that you want. You know, like yeah. Yeah. we were saying earlier today, like, I'm... you know, build the stage that you wish you could see, but mm-hmm. like that's real fucking
0: hard if you have a nine to five and you got bills. Well, I was just saying, I think that's what holds a lot of um, aspiring entrepreneurs back. Yes. It's like, well, I need this nine to five job because yep. I have my rent and yep. I had to pay off And I got debt. Whatever. Yes. And it's like um, money is, it's not like, it's not the most important thing, mm. but it's like the minute that we start taking control of that, you are releasing ourselves. Yes. Like, I I almost like like I look at you and I'm like, she's debt free. I wonder how many avenues that like you feel more free to walk through.
1: Anything that's so crazy. anything like i feel like i could just like up and decide i want to be a stand-up comedian tomorrow, <laughs> to be honest which is like terrifying and scary but like that's i could decide so that because i'm not like well i got i got debt to pay yeah. for so i can't be making those switch i could switch whenever i want yeah. i really can like and yeah. that's coming from a place of a lot of different privileges but it, the, probably the biggest is being debt-free right
0: i remember what was the, the what was the the money the number breakdown like a lot of filipinos don't even know about the 30 25 oh
1: girl yes i like,
0: and yes. they like you'd like they serve it like most people know this. Oh my god! But we don't. Yes,
1: absolutely. So I was doing this sort of roundtable interview with Yahoo Finance, and the interviewer was like all right, y'all, so, you know, besides the 50-30-20 rule, what are some personal finance advices that you wish people knew more? And I was like, hold the goddamn phone mm-hmm. because I don't know about y'all, but my community doesn't know about the 50-30-20 rule. This is not, this is not like obvious knowledge to us and treating it like obvious knowledge is what kept us out of the game in the first place because apparently we're supposed to know this shit, but no one's selling us that stuff and not in the not in the so medium. It's so
0: foundational. It's Lisa. so foundational,
1: <laughs> apparently,
0: but no one gave <laughs> us that foundation. I learned about this two weeks
1: ago over coffee. Exactly, and I, I learned about it through a blog and I was like I can't believe I'm reading this for free on a blog yeah like and this was not this is not like what you never a like taught
0: to me and like, yeah exactly in a nutshell
1: what is it 50 30 20 is a basically a, a skeleton absolute basic way to budget so 50 30 20 those numbers are percentages and the idea is that the a smart way to start budgeting is to break up your paycheck in 50 percent 30 percent 20 percent 50 percent Should and I say that with quotation marks because these are all percentages you can mess with. 50% should go towards your, what I call adulting, adulting bills. So rent, electricity, phone, you know, minimum payments, all the things. Sometimes I call them my like, come get me bills because if you don't pay them, someone's going to come get you. That's your 50%. 30% is your fun money. I call it ratchetry. That's just whatever you want. That's going out with friends, entertainment tickets, ratchetry, whatever. It's like the things that just make you happy that you want to spend on. And 20% is your uh, extra towards your financial goals, financial goals money. So it could be 20% towards your savings, 20% to pay extra on the debt that you owe, um, but it's it's having that structure, very basic structure of like this is a suggestion of how to treat your paychecks from now on. Cause then it covers all the necessities in your life while also leaving room for the fact that you're a human being and that you're gonna want to spend money on a fuck on a street falafel or like going to like on a day trip with your friends.
0: And basic things, you can start with your next
1: paycheck. Absolutely. You can start with your Boom. next paycheck and think 50, 30, 20. And then the next step from that is please get your money out of the the one and a half or two piles that you have in a bank like i know a lot of people have one savings and one checking take the 50 30 20 rule and have that be the structure of your banking yeah. so have a have one bank account for your bills that 50% one bank account for your ratchetry for that 30% and one other bank account for your savings your 20% goal mm-hmm. That way, when you go out to the club, you're only bringing your 30% money out with you, that debit card out with you, and you leave your rent debit card at home.
0: Oh, I've never thought about it in the physical sense of the card you bring when you're- exactly it is so because if you keep oh, your money in a pile, it all one thing. Oh my god, then you are spending that your seems rent money. So logical.
1: Yes, so logical. And I've never thought about it that way. God, because no one is teaching you this stuff. It's logical. <laughs> it's basic. I feel
0: like twenty five and I'm being reborn. No, this it- <laughs> is so, so sad.
1: No, it's not sad. It is it, you. Are receiving the information almost like, and I tend to be like hardcore, like a conspiracy theorist about this kind of thing. But I'm like, you were meant to not receive this information Mm -hmm. because when you are financially disempowered, it's easier for more powerful people to control you. Mm -hmm. It's easier for people to to be like, good. We can keep crystal in the nine to five. But that's
0: just how the banking institutions are really set up. So if you don't really know, good, they benefit. Get played, like you know. Mm -hmm. So they benefit
1: from you not understanding how interest works. They benefit from you overdrafting so that they can take an overdraft fee from you because you don't know So
0: daunting. Like there's so much. In, yeah. Like, it feels like a dirty system. It is. And you're like, I'm just trying to survive. Exactly. Maybe I can dream about well, my business. Someday. Yes.
1: Well, that's, <laughs> that's a funny, funny thing, thing is. is like, you think that banking is a system that you, you can trust, but it turns out it's a business too. Yeah, like totally. they depend on you not knowing how to bank so that you overdraft and they collect the fee mm-hmm. overdraft fees. This is going to make you really angry. I think in 2018, Banks collected a total of, I think, $35 million in overdraft fees from American citizens. Most of that's for me. Right? That's what it's like. (laughs) Is it not a whole industry in and of itself? Of course, the banking system, they want to protect the fact that they can collect $35 million in overdraft fees. So they don't want you to learn about it. They want you to be stupid.
0: I wish that we, like, a, a penai can just set up central banking system okay hello Burna Bank Bank of Berna Bank of Berna <laughs> Big Bank <of Berna. laughs>
1: exactly. banking by Berna big like, like, big like big APY you get like hella money Honestly. for your book low interest fees I'm no fees I'm done I'm <laughs> yeah. I can
0: trust you when, like, I don't know if you can trust me with right? my money but I can trust <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's gonna be very forgiving it's gonna be no penalty fees it's gonna be it's gonna be all bankrolled uh, by the everyone's man everyone's
0: gonna go through a financial literacy workshop exactly. for you doing that
1: which I think everyone should
0: be doing I know it should be signing up for banking account. I know. Whatever. Anyways, so so this this podcast mm-hmm. platform is all about how do we elevate Filipino excellence mm-hmm. and empower Penais to pursue their passions. Yeah. Reclaiming their identity and then a, a bold way. Yeah. And I'm so thankful we've had you because I think most of us need to start with our finances and our money. Yeah. If we're really gonna like take ourselves to the next level, mm. how many of us are still being so held back mm. by finances and just even talking about, like I say, I hear finances and budgeting and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, but also pass me another bottle of crunch, wine. Crunch, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, mm-hmm. so I do see this movement as, like it's part of the synergy of elevating, elevating our excellence mm. and bringing us into um, a place of like true freedom mm. In, in a line, what can you say about, like, reclaiming your financial falsehoods and then, like, empowering yourself? Like, what do you want her to know that, that that'll do yeah. for her future? Yeah,
1: sure. Oh, my gosh, that's that's a little pressure. What do I say? If I were – I'm going to take this as if I was speaking to me, like, five years ago mm-hmm. before I got into my financial journey. To talk to five years ago me is something that five years ago me did know is that there's one language that powerful people speak and it's money. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand and you know that we are inside of a system that could give a shit how idealistic you are. It could give a shit what you're trying to manifest. It could give a shit what your morning mantras are, whatever the hell. At the end of the day, we live in a capitalistic society. Exactly. And there's, we're all compromised by it. And we all have to move according to its rules a lot of the time. Um, And there are rules that we wish we could break, but if we break them, we don't eat. Mm -hmm. So... But the, at the crux of those rules is money. Mm-hmm. And, and at the crux of money is power. Yeah. Money is the most powerful weapon we have to fight the man. Yeah. It really is. Like if, the, if every quote unquote regular working class person decided to spend their money only on, for example, sustainable clothes or only on you know local organically farmed foods, the fashion industry would change. The, the food and grocery industry would change. Yeah. The only way we can take the attention of the people at the top is when we control our money differently because money talks and money is the only language that they speak at the top. And that that's sort of how I would get into sort of like the, the little mini revolutionary in my brain is like, <laughs> not only is it personally revolutionary to finally feel control of your own finances, but if you hope to to make any kind of impact in the world and to go from your small, like, I'm a child of an immigrant voice to someone that people at the top listen to, then you have to understand that they are not listening to anything but the way that you spend your money. You know, it's why all these companies are collecting our data so that they can figure out how to make us spend money. Exactly. And so once we become conscious of the way, not only that we manage our money, but the way that we spend money, which is sort of like the next sort of evolution of becoming financially free, we are the most powerful beings on earth because Whenever we spend our dollar, we vote on who we want to be successful. We vote on what we want to succeed. And if for some reason, everybody woke up tomorrow. We all started, for example, spending all of our money on like women of color owned businesses. Do you know how like Wall Street would freak the shit out? Like it's just money is the only language that powerful people listen to. And like if that is the seed that gets five years ago me started on figuring out their personal finances, then great.
0: What can... Any of us do going home. We just want three steps right now to get real. Yes. And it's easy. We can get on our laptops. Yeah. Open a bottle.
1: What do we do? Okay. First thing, get on your laptop, open a bottle, open a Google Doc and write dear money and start talking to your money as if it was a person. Um, Actually, the way that might be fun for you to start doing this, I did this at a workshop at the wing the other day, is pretend that it's 2 a.m. and your money is an ex-boyfriend and they texted you, hey, are you up? And finish that text. Like, how would you respond to your money if your money was your ex-boyfriend texting you at 2 a.m.? Uh, that exercise was so mind-blowing to do at the wing because people, like, the things that you would say to a, a, like, you know, emotionally unstable ex-boyfriend is a lot of the times what you would say to your money as well. So start talking to your money. Just get crazy. No one's looking at your letter. This is just your letter. So what would you say to your money if you were asking them to act differently for you or if you were telling them what you needed from them? That's step one step two is to open up this conversation with one person that you trust with this question. What is your first memory of money. Mm -hmm. It could be I think it's especially powerful if you ask a sibling a family member that's a peer I wouldn't go straight up to your mom and be like what's your first memory with money because they're gonna be like what the hell like (laughs) what did you have to like why are you asking me this question. Um, But it's incredibly powerful to open up a conversation about money with someone close to you because I guarantee like I would literally bet my life that whoever you ask, they're hiding financial anxiety that they didn't they don't know how to share with anybody. And so if you become that person for them, it opens up money as a topic in your relationship, which is like it is game changing. And it really it brings money into your world as opposed to this conceptual thing that you're supposed to be good at. And then the third thing, 50, 30, 20, baby, 50, 30, 20. Like if you stop listening to me in terms of budgeting advice forever, if you just take 50, 30, 20 and rock with it, however you need to for the rest of your life, you will be infinitely more financially organized than if you just spend money willy nilly.
0: Love it. Yeah.
1: There you go. You have no excuse. None. I have no excuse. Those None. are I could do that. Well, I also I'm like, be gentle with yourself. You do have an excuse, yeah, you know. Yeah. You yeah. at this point, it's been over two decades of telling yourself probably unhealthy and, and and sad stuff about money. So be gentle. Yeah.
0: The word money and empathy just don't go together. Exactly. It right? has to. It has know? to because <laughs> there's no other way out.
1: We have to start being yeah. nice with ourselves. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then what's coming up for you, Bernard? Come on. Oh
1: my
0: gosh. Do a little, you know. You know what's 2020?
1: 2020
0: has so much like symbolism like new yes. vision and I, oh, I have so yeah. much like a vision for Philippines on the rise and there's this mm-hmm. momentum that's being built and I just feel like there's like something
1: coming oh my for, gosh what's yes. coming all right so my major 2020, 2020 vision is this Robin Hood so it's taking from the rich and giving to the poor here's what I mean by that I am and I'm wondering like if any of these corporate relationships will be listening to this podcast sorry y'all My whole vision for 2020 is being able to leverage my relationships with corporations and with brands because personal finance is hot right now. And I also happen to be very aware of the fact that brands are interested in me talking about personal finance because I'm a brown woman. You know, they're trying to up their diversity quota. And I feel complicated about that, of (laughs) course. But I'm also like, I'm (laughs) I'm here. And also, it's kind of the way that I got into personal finance in the first place. It's like, if I am able to take your coin so I can live and continue to make free and low-cost stuff for my people, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to take these brand sponsorships, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do workshops at these big tech companies, help them however the heck they want, take their money so I can float myself to make more videos, more low-cost courses, more workshops and more accessible things. Because the whole problem is that these things should not be inaccessible. These things shouldn't be behind an impossible paywall but there are companies that are willing to pay me. So I'm going to take that money. Like it's, it's Robinhood 2020 all year. Exactly. I'm also, I'm creating my own products, you know, like budgeting courses and one-on-one personal finance coaching. Um, So I'm going to be actually re-releasing my budget camp at the beginning of December um, and potential whenever you're hearing this, so maybe I'll have re-release it again. So get on that because then you'll be able to have a one-on-one conversation with me, which is a really good time. Uh, And yeah, and just more video shenanigans for sure in 2020. More of my face. I'm so sorry.
0: I'm so ready for it. No, no, I love it. Um, Thank you. You you guys literally
1: had to watch these YouTube videos. Oh, God. Just not around me. It's really (laughs) embarrassing for me to watch you watch it. So please. I love it. That's it, I would say that like I'm just so thankful to be interviewed for Filipinos on the Rise because there are no platforms like this. You know, there are very few of them and now I know of them because we have to dig in onto each other and support each other but I'm just so honored to be able to like rap about Filipino money And, like, even last year, I couldn't have conceptualized a a whole podcast session on Filipinos and money. So this is just really incredible. Right.
0: This is probably the only Mm. conversation that exists digitally about Filipinos and decolonization and
1: money. And money and millennial stuff and, like, people who speak Internet. Like, this is (laughs) the only one. So we're like, this is a revolution in and of itself.
0: (laughs) I love it. I'm I'm so thankful you're with me in this room That we're like kind of allowed to be in
1: (laughs) (laughs) but like kind of not
0: eating (laughs) snacks that we're like kind of not supposed to eat and drinking when we're not really supposed to drink drinking rosé i've learned so much like i feel like this is definitely my own financial consulting (laughs) (laughs) session so consider this your financial consulting session and then go on her website her platform and just start to dive more into so thank you Verna. thank Thank you so
1: much for having me crystal i'm so happy to contribute
0: Thank you so much for listening. Would love if you can subscribe and or leave a review. And I can't wait to see you next time on the next Filipina on the Rise.